You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Venizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. which formerly used to overcome them. And I hope that that's a, a present experience in your own life. You know, the things that at one time you were unable to overcome, you know, those reoccurrences within your life. And now because of your experience with the Lord, your fellowship, your communion with Him, the work of God's Holy Spirit within your life, you're being transformed. You've gained a new source of strength and a dynamic within your life to help you to become that new person created in the image of Jesus Christ. Is temptation still strong in your life? Is it pulling you down and causing you to step off the path that Jesus is leading you down? Today you can find help in the power of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Mike will encourage you today to let the Holy Spirit be the strength you're looking for. Allow Him to remind you that you don't have to give in to the temptation that threatens you. Let his reminders of God's truth change your heart and change your mind. Lean into him. He is good and knows what's in front of you. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 John chapter 1 as he begins his message, Our Christian Experience. back in 1 John and 1 John chapter 1 and we want to once again revisit verse 3 and we've already gotten a lot of mileage out of verse 3 but again we want to revisit that verse because we haven't gotten everything there is to get out of it. This evening we're going to once again talk about our Christian experience and that's the title of this evening's message, our Christian experience. So let's once again read verse 3 of the first epistle of John chapter 1. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. So once again, this evening's message, the Christian experience. Okay, so here in this verse, John gives to us one of the main objectives in writing this letter. Go back to verse 3. And that is so that we might have fellowship with the Father, well, first of all, with us, that is, with the apostles, and then also our fellowship with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. So that's one of the main objectives of uh, of John, rather, writing this epistle. One of the fundamental reasons. But there's also some other reasons. Remember, in our introductory study, when we first begin this new series in 1 John a couple of weeks ago, I suggested that there are several themes, several topics that Paul, that John rather, 
uh, addresses here in this epistle. One of the other fundamental reasons for his writing this epistle, as we've already discussed, which is recorded first in verse 4, and we'll get to that next time together, and that is the subject. Notice in verse 4 he says, And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. And so next time together we're going to be discussing that joy that God provides for his people and how to secure it. Now, John's case is that one of the first essentials and absolute essentials to true joy in a world such as this, with all of the crazy things that are going on around us, is that we need to realize this wonderful, glorious possibility that lies open to us there in verse 3 of chapter 1 of fellowship, of communion, of sharing in the very life of God. Now, what did I mean by that? Well, we addressed this last time. I have so many pages of papers and stuff stuck in my Bible. Well, remember last time together we talked about, as it relates to having an experience in this fellowship and communion with God, it means also that we are sharers in his interests, his great purposes. We are interested in God's enterprise in this world. And we talked about that. We developed that idea last time together in last Thursday evening's service. And so anyway, notice here, so we're sharing in the very life of God. That's what it means to have fellowship and communion with him. Now notice John in these previous verses, that would have been verses 1 and 2, had emphasized the purpose of Christ's coming into the world. He alludes to it. To give to those who believe on him the gift of eternal life. Notice he says, and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Now this eternal life that John is referring to here is not only in duration, all of eternity, but also in quality. In John's gospel, as a cross-reference for this, in John chapter 17 and verse 3, which Jesus shared in the form of a prayer, he says, and this is life eternal, that they might know you, he's speaking to the Father, he's praying unto the Father, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And again, the idea is having that fellowship, that intimate communion with him. So that is a life with a different quality, made possible by faith in Jesus. And Jesus referred to that life as an abundant life. Jesus himself said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And the Bible describes that life in superlatives. For example, he says it's a joy unspeakable. It's a peace that passes understanding. It's a love abundant. And so he uses all of these superlatives to describe that experience. Remember, that's what we're talking about. That's the subject that we're treating this evening, the Christian's experience. Now this evening, with that said, we want to consider certain aspects of this Christian experience. And the first of which is, and if you're taking notes, write this down, Christian people are individuals who know what they have. Certainly John, who is the writer of this epistle, knew exactly what he had, and that was the very reason why he wanted to pass it along to other people. So Christian people are individuals who know what they have, and Christianity is a definite and certain 
experience. Notice John puts it this way, that you may also have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. I mean, think about this. Let me ask you a question. If people don't know what they have, how can they wish for others to share it with them? And then, isn't that exactly what John is telling us here? What he had received, what he had experienced, he wanted to pass it along to other people. So that's the starting point. The Christian experience is not a vague one. It is not indefinite or uncertain. Rather, it is a well-defined experience. And true Christians know what they have and are very aware of what they possess. And so John tells us here in this text, we write these things to you that your joy may be full and you may share in what we have. And gang, you cannot invite someone to share something with you unless you know exactly what you're asking them to share. Isn't that true? Listen, John knew what he had, his search through life for truth, for meaning, for purpose, for fulfillment was over. For here was a man who tells us he knows without a question, without a doubt. And it is because he knows and because of what he had experienced that he is writing this epistle. You see, there can be no true joy of salvation while there is a vagueness or an uncertainty or a lack of assurance with what we have. And that's the very reason why we need to apply ourselves to studying this particular subject. Uh, it just helps us to gain a greater appreciation of the things that we actually do possess, the things that have been given to us by God. Now, I can further support this by making another point. And that brings us to our second point. If you're taking notes, write this down. Christians are not only people who know what they have, our first point, but they are also anxious for all others to have and possess it as well. And this, of course, is further proof of their certainty of that which they have. John put it this way. Let's go back to our text. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. Why? That you may have fellowship with us. You see, he wanted them to have exactly what he had. And he longed for others to have the same thing. You see, those who have become conscious of the fact that they are sharing the life of God, as I mentioned before in opening, sharing in his interests, his great purposes, were involved in God's enterprise in this world, right? So all of these things are a part of God's purposes. We would be anxious for others to have and possess it as well. You see, those who have become conscious of the fact that they are sharing the very life of God, those who know what it is to rejoice and what it is to be set free from certain besetting sins, which formerly used to overcome them, and I hope that that's a, a present experience in your own life, you know, the things that at one time you were unable to overcome, you know, those reoccurring sins within your life, and now because of your experience with the Lord, your fellowship, your communion with him, the work of God's Holy Spirit within your life, you're being transformed. You've gained a new source of strength and a dynamic within your life to help you to become that new person created in the image of Jesus Christ. So 
those who know what it is to rejoice and what it is to be set free from certain besetting sins, which formerly used to overcome them, those who can see right through life's meaning, now we have a, a completely different view of our world. Our now is a Christian's world view. We know what life is all about. We've come to the correct understanding and conclusion of what life is all about. Those of us who have overcome the world, those to whom death has lost its sting, men and women who have experienced these things out of necessity want others to experience it as well. And by the way, just as a side note, I want you to think about this. This is a great way to test the genuineness of your own Christianity. All of the things that I've just su suggested, all of the things that we possess, all of the things that are a part of our Christian experience. And, and if these things are true, if these things are actually describing you in a very uh, accurate kind of a way, if you know that you've possessed these things, if you know that this has been your experience, well, then you've got to ask yourself this question. Does my heart go out to men and women around me in this world who lack the same experience? Is there a sense of compassion for all who lack it? I got to tell you something. Before I was a Christian, I really wasn't concerned about my neighbor. I wasn't con obviously wasn't concerned about them knowing Christ. I didn't know him myself, right? And now going through this transformation, understanding and realize I possess these things, that these things are a gift from God, I want to pass it along to other people. And so this, if you think about it, this is a really great way to test the genuineness of your own Christianity. That is the burden that you carry for other people to know and to possess the things that you have. Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16. He says, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Now, that would apply to all of us as well. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to be an apostle to feel this way. Woe unto me. You just can't, you can't keep your mouth shut. Every person that you come into contact with, you want, you want to share the good news with them. In other words, these are people who are very much like Jesus Christ. You know, in Matthew's Gospel in chapter 9, in verses 35 and 36, Jesus said he saw them as sheep without a shepherd, and he was moved with compassion. Is that the way that you see other people, the people that you come into contact with? All who are in Christ should have this missionary kind of a spirit. I don't know what, another way to explain it. Just having a missionary attitude and spirit about us. That desire for others to have and to share with them the very life of God. Now that brings us to our third principle this evening. Remember, once again, we're talking about the Christian experience. The third principle Christian experience in the life of all believers is always essentially the same. Is always essentially the same. Let's go back to our text. Notice John says, we saw, we handled, we touched, we heard. So come on all of you, basically, I'm paraphrasing here. So come on all of you and share this joy and experience with us. And let me tell you something, it's the very same experience. Although we weren't present during the three and a half years of Christ's public ministry, but nevertheless, the experience that John had is the very same experience that we have. Now, I'll, I'll explain that for you in just a moment. 
But we're talking about experiencing what the first apostles experienced. And this experience does not vary from one Christian to another. And yes, we may enter into it differently. We may have been brought up, for example, in a Christian home. And our mothers and fathers instilled within us at an early age a godly heritage. Maybe it was some grandmother. Maybe it was some close friend. Whatever. Maybe we came into our Christian experience the result of attending some crusade. Or we met some fellow or gal out on the street. And they shared Christ with us. Whatever. You fill in the blank. But in all of these things, I'm speaking of the experience itself which is all central to the person of Jesus Christ. It is always a repetition of the apostolic experience because it is always based upon the same truth and is the result of the same gift from the same giver. And and listen, like John, for example, and all of the other apostles were present when Jesus laid his hands on the sick and they recovered. Has Christ ever laid his hand upon you and you've recovered from some illness or some besetting sin, as I had suggested just a moment ago, or you prayed unto him and asked you to ask him to help you with some situation, and there's no way that you could explain things working out the way that you hoped they would work out without putting God behind that experience. It's the same thing, right? If you think about it, maybe you know we consider the things that the apostles experienced maybe a little bit more dramatic or more glorious. But essentially, they're the same experience, aren't they? By the way, how do we safeguard ourselves from false teaching? Just a side note here. Well, here's the test. The apostolic record. The apostolic witness. Their testimony. So if my experience does not line up with and tally with the New Testament writings, it is not the Christian experience. No matter how wonderful you may think it may be, or wonderful, or exciting. And I've heard some really crazy testimonies from people suggesting that this was my Christian experience. But does it actually line up? And, and some of those you know, experiences are true. Like, for example, visions. Now, I have a hard time wrapping my, my mind around people who come forward and say, Mike, I had this vision. When I hear that, I, I, I take a step back and I'm saying, you know, what was really the catalyst of their having this vision? Was it a pepperoni pizza before they went to bed or something? And because visions really are in commonplace, but nevertheless, they do happen. And they're biblically based. Paul, for example, in the book of Acts, he had the vision. Remember the man from Macedonia calling, beckoning him to come over and, and minister to him when Paul was... Uh, determined to continue to bring the gospel into Asia Minor. But God wouldn't have that. And so the vision with the Macedonian man, remember that? And Peter had his own vision. Remember the sheet that came down from the four corners of heaven with all manner of unclean animals? And he said, uh, said, kill and eat. And so uh, visions are biblical. I don't think that they're everyday occurrences, But whatever your experience, I mean, I've heard really crazy things. I've heard of people falling down on the floor and barking like a dog. And where where do we find that in the Bible? How, How can we validate that? How can we verify that? And so, again, how do we safeguard ourselves from false teachings and false practices and false experiences? Here's the test. The apostolic record, their witness, their testimony, 
And if my experience does not tally or line up with the New Testament writings, it's not the Christian experience at all. It's just a safeguard that God has put in place for us. If my experience doesn't reflect this here, it's not the Christian experience. Now that brings us to our fourth and our last point, and that is this experience is one which is possible for all people. Not just for a few, not for some super Christians, but for the babe in Christ as well as the senior pastor of the church. Notice, let's go back to verse 3. He says, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. It's a comprehensive experience, and it is possible for all people. John isn't writing to a select few, but he's writing to all believers in Christ. This is what is known as a general epistle. And I thank God that this is not an experience for apostles only, simply because of and on the basis that they were with Jesus for those three and a half years of his public ministry. It is equally possible for us. And this is why that attitude, I could, if only, and I, I hear this so often from people, and, and really it's nothing more than an excuse. You're visiting with someone who's come in and, and set up a counseling appointment and you're going through it with them and they're, they're talking about their relationship with the Lord or the lack of their relationship with the Lord or, or an abruption that has taken place in their relationship with the Lord. They'll say sometimes something like this, Pastor Mike, if only I could have been there with the apostles, if I could only have witnessed his miracles, if I could have only looked into his eyes, heard his teachings, witnessed his miracles, it would be so much more easier for me to believe. It would be so much more easier for me to follow through with the commitment that I made to Jesus. But folks, that's wrong. It's actually nothing more than an excuse. Because this experience that we've just defined for you is not based upon us, but it's entirely based upon God and His grace and upon His desire and His readiness to give. You just need to be willing to receive and open yourself up to that work and the grace of God that He wants to so abundantly bestow upon you. You know, you just need to take an inventory. Is there anything that's preventing Him from revealing Himself to you? And it always goes back to the sin question. God wants to bless. God wants you to experience that life abundant that has to be described in superlatives. Remember that we talked about that in, in the opening of this evening's message. The only person who can stand in the way or the only thing that can stand in the way of your receiving of the Lord and experiencing this for yourself is you. That's it. In my Father's house There's a place for me In my Father's house That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. We invite you to connect with Pastor Mike and listen to more teachings from God's Word by visiting HarvestNYC.org. At our website, you'll learn all about his ministry and the church it stems from, Harvest Christian Fellowship. We'd love you to join us for worship this Sunday at 11 a.m. 
You can reserve your seat online by clicking on Contact. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, though, or if you're just unable to attend in person right now, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time of studying God's Word. We're live-streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to catch up with previous messages, check out the link under Resources for One Place. Just click on the earphones to listen in. You can also watch other services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to remind you just how much your Heavenly Father loves you. We also want you to know how grateful we are to have you as a part of our listening audience. How can we be praying for you right now? Feel free to fill out the contact form at harvestnyc.org. We're honored to lift you up to the Lord in prayer. Thanks for joining us today on In My Father's House. Oh